You're listening to the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Experience all the excitement of the casino on your desktop or mobile device at PlayAlberta.ca. Sign up and receive a $50 welcome bonus using the promo code CASINO50. All league is we're coming up to Super Bowl 58. And what a matchup it's going to be. The Chiefs and the 49ers. Larry Fitzgerald Sr. joins us. Larry, man, you have covered, geez, what is it, 40-plus Super Bowls uh, at this point. Um, I, I know it never gets old, but the, the matchups are always unique. Uh, what's, what I find interesting about this one, Larry, is, you know, the Chiefs The Chiefs have always been known as a great offensive team. But, man, it's, their defense has been so good. We saw it against the Ravens last week. Uh, kind of give me your thoughts on the matchup of the Chiefs' defense versus the 49ers' offense. Is there one area you think the Chiefs have a noticeable advantage defensively in this matchup? Well, the Chiefs don't uh, – they don't give up any slack in terms of uh, giving wide receivers room to roam. They don't give you that 10-yard cushion, that type of thing. They get right up on you and uh, – they get, kind of pass you off uh, to to the next linebacker or next defensive back, and in most cases, teams today uh, are utilizing uh, you know four safeties or you know an extra pair of defensive backs. So it's been working for them because uh, you know they really have a, a terrific uh, all pro in the middle of their defense. Uh, Mr. Jones has uh, really been rough to handle, and he uh, requires a double team. And uh, they they got a pretty good scheme, and it's been working very effectively uh, for them. Because if you look at all their games this year, most of them were low-scoring type games, and uh, they've been able to be successful. Uh, they were nine and three against AFC opponents this year, and you wouldn't think that would be the case when you looked at uh, their offense, which produced less than a hundred or more. Uh, points this year than it did the previous year, but uh, they find a way. They've got a great coaching staff, Andy Reid and uh, his crew, and and of course they've got the best quarterback on earth. Yeah, Pat Mahomes, he he, he finds ways to win games, right? He, and I think that the most impressive thing about Mahomes is he rarely beats himself. Right, like, like I'm obviously I know he throws interceptions here, but at key times in games, man, he is, is a player who just rarely gives the other team momentum at key times. Yeah, he certainly has found a way to uh, utilize his skills uh, and and come off of his primary receiver, whether it's one or two or three, and then you know move to the right or run to the right or move to the left or run to the left and improvise until somebody gets open and use it as Kelsey. And so uh, they've been able to move the chains. They've got a, a, a tremendous running attack. I've heard many people be critical of their offensive line. They don't think it's that good. But uh, they've been able to do enough, I mean, to uh, do what they've done uh, to take out Miami in a dominant game where it was extremely cold in Kansas City and then – uh, the situation to go into Buffalo where it was extremely cold and, and they took them out by shutting them down in the second half. And boy, that job they did on Lamar Jackson and, and the Baltimore Ravens, who I thought uh, were the best team in football this year, uh, was amazing. So they're not favorites uh, coming up on Sunday by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, San Francisco knows them very, very well. They, they played them, you know, obviously a few years ago. 
But uh, I, I think it's going to be a great Super Bowl, and I think uh, if you're an over and under better and it's in Vegas and people are gambling, I would take the under. Larry Fitzgerald Sr. joins us, a longtime beat reporter covering uh, the, the National Football League. And, and Larry, you know, the 49ers – you know, had the great comeback last week. Uh, you know, in the conference final, they didn't play great in the first half, but played excellent in the in the second half. And you know, I guess you can get away with that. Uh, we saw it with Atlanta, but it's rare. Usually, if you're in a deep hole at halftime, you're probably not coming back uh, in the Super Bowl. But the 49ers, like that first half, really wasn't who they were, right? I'd say it was a little bit of an outlier to what their offense was in the second half. And I know Detroit took some some fourth down gambles and you know uh, gave them the ball maybe when they shouldn't have and all that other stuff but when I look at this 49ers offense like I just they seemingly from start to finish like do you think they have more weapons than the Chiefs or are they harder to contain or are they just you know maybe more big play capabilities so they look flashier well the 49ers have a history with this offense of getting on top of scoring first uh, that type of thing sort of building a lead you know I've seen both teams play this year I saw the uh 49ers come and play the Vikings on Monday Night Football when Kirk Cousins was still playing before he got hurt. And Minnesota won that game 22-17. to Brock Purdy uh, threw three interceptions. But uh, the, the 49ers had a bunch of injuries, and so that was sort of what they hung their helmets on. Whereas uh, when Kansas City came in and played the, the Vikings, uh, they got on top and scored, you know, 27 points and won 27-20. to but uh, I just think the 49ers are built to run the ball with McCaffrey, uh, to dictate to their opponent offensively. And if you can catch them where you kind of dictate to them, which is what Detroit did, you should be in pretty good shape. But, you know, we saw Green Bay and Detroit both kind of give up sizable leads to a 49er team that's just sort of grinded it out and hung in there and waited on a mistake and, and wound up winning the game. Looking at some of the moves around the, the league uh, right now, Larry, it's, you know, there's lots of, of coaching movement specifically right now and they want to get it all in because then they try to limit it there during Super Bowl week. What do, you, what do you make of the Washington decision? They bring in the new coach uh, and now they, you know, they get rid of their offensive coordinator, although they announced their new OC before they officially announced that their old OCs uh, not even going to be coming back, which is kind of an odd timing of it. But what do you make of the commander's uh, head coach and OC decision? That's a little strange for me. I've watched uh, this very closely in terms of the hiring practices. As you know, there are a couple of lawsuits by uh, former head coaches who were black men uh, against the National Football League and their hiring practices and how they got treated while they were head coaches. And uh, I think I watched this real close, all eight of these, and I'm still in shock that Bill Belichick, you you can win 333 games and get to nine Super Bowls and win six of them and, and, and not get a job that, that to me is like, are you kidding me? And, uh, you know, Pete Carroll, you know, this guy been to two Super Bowls, one, one of them. And, and then he gets booted out in Seattle, but, uh, you know, all eight of these jobs, I have to ask myself, did, you know, did Washington get the guy they were after, you know, did, did Atlanta get the guy that they were after? We know the Chargers got the guy they targeted because they've got, uh, you know, a coach who's had NFL experience with San Francisco and obviously just won the national championship at Michigan. I'm talking about Jim Harbaugh. And he is pumped about being back in the NFL. And so uh, I have to ask myself, out of these eight 
teams that were able to hire coaches, you know, some of them first-time coaches, did they get the guy they targeted or did they wind up settling? And that's that's the kind of the way I've looked at it. Like I wonder about you know, there's lots of people about Belichick. Like, would he come in unless he had full control, right, as the head coach slash GM? And maybe that's the case. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he wanted a break. Maybe he looks and says, man, I can get paid almost as much to be in broadcast and work way less, right? Like, I wonder how much of a factor that was. Well, I think in Bill Belichick's case, I think the Atlanta Falcons have a system where their ownership allows uh, a number of people to uh, – uh, he listens to three or four or five other people in his organization uh, about – decisions on personnel in terms of hiring a coach or going after a free agent. And, and so they come to a consensus on what they're going to do as opposed to, you know, an owner just flat out saying, I want this guy, get him, that type of thing, or a general manager. And I think they came down to two or three of the people inside the Atlanta Falcons system start seeing themselves uh, in a vulnerable position if uh, a guy like Bill Belichick comes in He's going to want to do things his way and, and make some decisions and move some of his people in. And I think that worked against uh, Bill Belichick uh, consistently uh, because of his success and because of the fact that he, he, you know, how are you going to tell him no? You know, if he asks for something, you're going to give it to him because he's got uh, the greatest track record of any active coach in the National Football League. When you look at Brock Purdy, I, I, I chuckled at his response today because, you know, I know Cam Newton's been ripping on him, which is an odd guy to rip on. But, uh, uh, you know, saying how Brock Purdy's the 10th best and Purdy's response was, well, I might be the 10th best player on my team. But I do know that there's been 90 uh, guys be NFL quarterbacks this year and Cam isn't one of them. <laughs> I was like, boom. I, like, I don't really understand the, the, the Newton constant doubling down on him. And I don't know if he's trying to make a name for himself as an analyst, but he's going about it the wrong way because Brock Purdy's not really the guy you should be going after like he's had a lot of success and you know makes big plays when you need to he's definitely more than a game manager in my eyes yeah i'd never buy into uh all this rhetoric about uh even though he was you know mr irrelevant and that type of thing and you know uh, you know he wound up uh you know getting drafted by the 49ers and and wasn't the, the first choice but he found a way to get that job and he has proven he can execute in that offense. Remember last year, he was in the the, the NFC Championship game and, and lost out to Jalen Hurts and that terrific Philadelphia team because he got hurt. And uh, he went to work, got stronger, came back this year, and, and here the 49ers are again. People have to remember, only Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy have played in the last two championship games, respectively, in their conferences and so you got to give him credit for what he's done, and he's delivered. That that comeback in that second half against Detroit was was special. Detroit helped him big time, but to put 34 points up uh, means a lot when you're sitting with only 10 in the first half. Who are you taking, Larry? Well, you know, I, I leave and get out to uh, Las Vegas on Wednesday. And uh, I usually try to wait until I've seen, you know, a couple of practices and and, and see how they're uh, adjusting to the environment and that type of thing. And, you know, both teams cannot gamble. They can't go into any of the casinos. And so why would you go to Vegas if you can't do that? But they've got some business there. They're there to play the Super Bowl. And I'm leaning with the Chiefs. I think their experience 
the way they have grown in the playoffs and at the end of the season has proven to me that they uh, they never lost sight of who they are and, and what they want to do, and that is to repeat as Super Bowl champions. And remember, this is the second time they've been in this position to repeat. Yep. They lost to Tampa Bay a couple of years ago, and I think what happened to Andy Reid's son, and that was during COVID, because the Super Bowl team usually is in the city all week. But in this case, they didn't fly in until Saturday, and that happened to be 24 hours after his son had that terrible accident while he was under the influence where he almost killed that young girl. And I just thought the uh, the, the, the Chiefs were just distracted. They mm-hmm. just were not focused. And, uh, and, and Tampa Bay and some guy named Tom Brady, they made them pay for not being ready. Larry, really appreciate your time. Enjoy the game. Thank you. Look forward to it.